0: Pelletero Pickle episode 123. We got a rapid fire, time-constrained episode this week. We're going to talk about travel ball, what the heck is going on, Rosin Wars with Max Scherzer, weird perfect game breakups, Mookie's playing short, Pete Alonso's hitting homers, and the A's are going to Vegas. Check it out. Pelchero Pickle episode one twenty-three. This is gonna be a quick episode. We're gonna fly through the topics because we have to, because our previous calls went over. We got calls after this, so we're gonna go quick. Uh joining me as always is Chris Colabello. I'm Bobby Tewksbury Chris, quick recap. How was your weekend?
1: This weekend. It's done. Over. How's yours? It's
0: good. Got a yeah, little, home, little, home, yeah. little home haircut. We got to talk about hair. We do that every episode. Got a home haircut. Uh, I actually wanted to talk about something from this weekend. So my daughter, she's five. She's playing soccer. It's six U soccer. Uh, very exciting. She scored a goal in her first game. She's, uh, I would say, playing a little timid. She keeps saying she's trying to block the ball, but if she's the closest person to it, she like runs behind it and doesn't actually kick it. So we're trying to get her to be aggressive. but. Uh, something happened this weekend that I think is relevant to the context of youth sports. So this is, these are five and six-year-olds and the opposing team, uh, the, their head coach for some reason wasn't there in the first half. And I thought the guy that was coaching the first half was doing a nice job. He was keeping the kids motivated. They kept doing this pullback move that was obviously coached because every time the ball was rolling, they would do this little. Pull back, drag back, whatever you call it. Obviously coached, which was nice. Um second half, we were I think we were we were up like three, two, whatever. Um, we have a couple studs in our team. Basically, if you're fast, you win. That's what it comes down to. But this guy shows up for the second half, and it was one of the more intriguing um intriguing is like, like merged with disappointing. This guy came in and just, it was hard to look at anybody besides him on the field. He came in, he was loud, like bringing energy is one thing, but he was coaching to the point that it was almost demoralizing to our kids because he was so loud and so energetic that all of our teammate, our whole team was like just confused about what was happening. And there's like this line between like I'm trying to coach kids cuz they're 6 and like I don't think he was overtly trying to win the game but he was imposing him he was he was imposing on the game so much that he was the factor in the game. it wasn't even about the kids. He was telling them what to do. He was doing it in a very positive way, which was tricky because he was just really really loud and just blatantly instructing players what to do, which at some point you need to do that. But it was to the point that it was demoralizing for our kids and just flat out out-energized our out – energized our team. But it was like – it wasn't even fun. I, I was so confused with how to feel about it because on one hand the guy was involved. He's engaged, volunteering his time. But then like after the game he came over to our coach to give pointers It's like, dude, you're taking this way too seriously. Uh, So just curious on like, on your thoughts of six, U soccer, how, how much should a coach coach and where's the line? I felt like he crossed the threshold to imposing himself on the game. And if we're trying to get kids to learn how to play and actually play soccer, like he won the game, he like, we won the first half, they won the second half but it was just like our kids were almost standing around confused because he was so loud. Did I, did I paint the picture well enough?
1: Yeah. And you're, you're hot about it. Look, youth sports are tricky, right? Just in general, they're, they're interesting. And I think as a society, we've pushed the thresholds of, what age the cutoff is from recreational activity to win at all costs to develop to whatever the circumstances are and i think those lines are blurred for a lot of people i think they're blurred for parents i think they're blurred for players i was just reading a profile to you an organization has six U travel baseball
0: that's oh, huge it, perfect I mean, game does rankings perfect game does rankings but, for them
1: what so the 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 burden now and this is part of how I try to rationalize or justify or understand things right The burden people try to put the burden on the organization on the perfect games of the world. They try to put them on the the coach of the world. the reality is. It's ultimately parents' choices as to whether they expose their kids to things like that. Now, in this case, you exposing your daughters to that league is not the issue at hand. But it brings up a bigger philosophical question, is what is the purpose of sport at the youth level? And I think there's very blurred lines as to what is acceptable. And if you really think about who the coach is in this generation, Bobby, it's the people that we grew up with, right? They're the people generally that came from our era of youth sports, where it was more probably rec-oriented with specific places for advanced athletes to go. But now it seems like everything's trended more toward the, this is no longer recreational athletics. This is life and death. And I think that's the problem. Generally, now, from what I see is that too many people are worried about the results of a six year old game or the results of a nine year old game or the results of an 11 year old game as opposed to where is my nine year old or 11 year old going to end up 10 years from now? Right, which is that is the question that needs to get answered and solved as opposed to did we win? On Saturday, or did Johnny score three goals?
0: Yeah. It was it was a weird, weirdly conflicting for me because on one hand, the kids on his team were having a blast. The parents were going crazy. They were scoring goals. They were going crazy. Our kids are coming off the field in tears. Just like they're just completely overwhelmed with the level of energy this guy was. It was it was so over the top. And I was thinking to myself, is this the type of coaching that kids respond to? Like is, are the kids on his team going to keep playing because they're having so much fun while also making all the kids in our team not want to play because they're getting demoralized. So it's like, there's gotta be some level of balance there. The part for me, the fact that he went to our coach after the game who like played in high school and like knows the game and she's a teacher, like she understands kids. Uh, to go to her and be like, oh, I did this. I coached last year. Let me give you some pointers. Like he clearly thinks he's doing a really good job. He thinks that he's doing it right. To not recognize that kids are coming off the field crying because of what was happening. It's like, where where's the threshold of, is it, are you supposed to match that energy? The, just kids aren't ready for it. It's like when you play, I remember the first time you play a team that's like really trying to mess with your head and the, the kids are yelling at you and Maybe you're pitching, and the kids like, "Oh, this kid can't throw a strike." They're trying to first time getting trash talking, and you have to learn how to deal with it, and either tune it out or maybe you play up to it, maybe you respond to it. You Get the the, the kids get the rise out of you that they're going for. It's just a it was just a weird dynamic. I wasn't ready for it on a Saturday morning. I'll put it that way. Um, it's it was just a, it was such a strange experience because as a dad, if I was coaching, I probably would have like. Gone shoulder to shoulder with him and be like, dude, pump the brakes. What are you doing? Like, relax. This is, you're going, you're going too far. I appreciate the effort, but you're going too far. As a parent, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I'm not, I am not going to say anything. It's not my role. Uh, I, I'm not going to like stand up or yell or do anything, but I'm just watching this play out as like, this is not a positive situation right now.
1: What it comes down to is the circumstances around the game the instruction the circumstances that person was raised in what i don't really wholeheartedly understand is why as a society we choose to tell people how they should conduct themselves and i don't mean you toward him i mean him toward the coach of your team or, or Cohen and, and Robbie's team uh, or Cohen's team, I'm, I'm assuming. But my, my point is, where does that guy get off thinking he's doing good? What's the line of demarcation for good? What does good really represent at that age? And I think that's where there's no real clear line to me because I think a lot of people are focused on the wrong stuff, which is, win at all costs or develop at all costs when the biggest objective probably up till 12 you is make sure they enjoy themselves and learn can, how to deal can, with the failures of the
0: games. Right. Yeah. My, my, my business mind and a lot of stuff that are working on with Pelotero goes to like, what is the system in place that as a league is defining. And this is like just a local soccer league. So I, I'm not going to go crazy with this, but if you play this out to local baseball leagues, youth leagues, you know, the Cal Ripkins, the U triple the or wh- whatever, at what point is it, is the definition being put out there of what the expectations are? Like do, is there a level of energy that you're expecting? Is there a coaching clinic that they're going to, or is it just, you're just throwing some random mom and dad volunteer out there. So on one hand, I can't fault the guy cause he's volunteering his time. But there's no guidelines, there's no structure around what it's supposed to look like. So it's just luck of the draw. Like if you're on that guy's team, then you're that's what you're getting all year. If you're not on the guy's team, you're gonna face them once, maybe in the playoffs, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know if there are playoffs. Uh but I think about it from uh when I used to coach travel ball, there's there's certain teams that you'd play and the the coach was trying to play the game they're telling the players every single play what to do I remember one team in particular every single pitch the guy would go across the whole infield hey third baseman go ball hit to you you're doing this shortstop you're doing this second i I'm like just let the kids play if they make a mistake talk to them about it what are you doing is this fun he's like moving every single pitch moving them wasn't teaching them how to move or what to pay attention to but literally just it's like he's playing checkers like just moving pieces around I won't even give him chess because it wasn't chess Just telling kids exactly what to do, and I'm like, they're not even playing anymore. They're just your little, you're like, you've got this like checkerboard out there, and you're just moving pieces around. Is that fun for the kids? You think we beat the brakes off them, by the way, so it's not like it helped. So, I don't know. It's just a strange thing.
1: It's it's funny because you know you mentioned the, the systems in place to ensure that. Coaching is up to the standards and so on and so forth. And what it comes down to is really finding somebody that has, it, it it's really tough because like, it's exactly what you said about somebody volunteering their time and, and doing the things that they're doing. And I don't know, man, it's, it's hard because I see a lot of poor coaching at the youth level and you just never know how, Good coaching might influence the players differently and give them different opportunities. And I think that's why it's really important to have a strong support system outside of whatever team you play for, regardless of who your coach is for your team, whether that's your parents or your own yep. mentor right. in your field.
0: We have uh, six topics remaining in 11 minutes. This is what we're going to do. Ready? We're on the clock. Two minutes each topic. So Travel Ball, I tweeted out this weekend, why has Travel Ball become what it is? 80% of responses was money, and I thought that was the laziest response you could have had. I've had a lot of thoughts about this over the weekend. Concept of um, creating independence, and I've been thinking about parenting and about what that means, and in the sense of business, like we're trying to create something that can stand on its own. So I think... The root of everything is a parent is trying to feel some sort of sense of accomplishment, achievement, pride in creating a future for their kid where they can be independent of them and and have their own life. I think there's a bunch of parents that have a bunch of uh, underlying issues that they're trying to solve with themselves, with their own lives and their careers. But ultimately, I think parents are trying to find the best solution to help their kids become independent. And it's just being... Done in a horrible, horrible way. There's got to be better options created. One, I disagree. One minute, go.
1: I think travel ball. It, it's like anything else. Once you put the wheels in motion, once the thing gains critical mass, it just continues, right? Because then it becomes keep up with the Joneses. Because little Timmy tells little Johnny that little Johnny's playing this and little Timmy's playing that, and going from there. So now what? Right. But there's
0: an emotional. There's got to be an emotional component to why they're doing it. There's got to be some sort of value that they're trying to capture. Oh, it's narcissism, so keep it, but but narcissism towards what <clears throat> Narcissism is not an emotion. What is the emotion that they're trying to capture? There's got to be a value it, it's, add.
1: It's a feel. It's a it's validation, Bobby. Because and this goes back to what I've said to you before about our generation of of, of parents now, right? To it to our generation, playing AU, playing travel ball, playing pay to play was. Four, three, pay to play was justification that you were good. So it's All it's right. a belief that you're good. good. Time's Next up. topic.
0: Time's up. Maybe we could leave that. Maybe that would be good for the for social engagement
1: for yeah, right. for ratings.
0: Yeah. Rosin War, Rosin War of 2023. Max Scherzer suspended. It's like a four million dollar suspension, I think, based on his salary, something to that effect. Ten, ga- ten It's ten games, whatever percent of the season it is. It's a lot of money. Uh, he used rosin. Rosin is sticky. They told him it's too sticky. So they told him to clean his hands. Uh, the whole, the, this is the part for me. He used alcohol to clean his hands. He said it in the interview. He said an MLB official was watching him do that. I don't know if that's illegal. I don't know if that's allowed. I don't know if he was told to do that. I know if you try to rinse your hands off with water and you got a bunch of rosin on it, it's not coming off. So you need to use some sort of, I think you need to use alcohol to get the rosin off, but the alcohol then activates the rosin when you put it back in to make it more sticky. Scherzer suspended for 10 games <laughs> for following the rules. For bubblegum. For bubblegum. Chris, do you have any thoughts on getting suspended for following the rules? <laughs> Oh boy, Sorry, oh boy, that was a I can't bad, believe
1: I only have forty seven seconds. That was a
0: bad segue, because you got suspended for So ridiculous literally the most ridiculous. You didn't thing take I've ever steroids, seen. so, yeah.
1: The most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Even probably more ridiculous. No, it's not more ridiculous than me getting suspended. Just have a little bit of feel, guys. Just have a little bit of feel. There is no true test to say you're using something illegal and you're not. So if you can't do that, then guess what? It's Just throw it away. Put it away. Throw it out in the trash. You can't just objectively or you can't subjectively make people be in trouble. It's ludicrous. David Cohen's thing was even worse.
0: We're done. That was such a bad luck. The fact that he could do a demo on live TV. Um, I just like uh, I tweeted something to the effect of you had some guy, like what's the test? And For steroids, it's picograms. One grain of salt in the pool and then for this it's like I'll just rub the guy's hand see if it's sticky yeah
1: so all, right. all of it nice so I like
0: this I like this time box Drew Smiley was 6 outs away from a perfect game and then his and then catcher his catcher jumped on top of him uh in in the world of no hitters getting lost the who was the guy for the Tigers a couple years ago that was the worst one cuz he was clearly Galarraga. out Galarraga, yeah, Galarraga, yeah. Galarraga. and the umpire was like crying the next day which he yeah what a great case for the use of uh, a video replay but like rank this on a scale of like one to hilarious I guess Of first of to, all
1: it's the eighth inning so not it that was big a swan Second yeah, of but a, it was
0: just a just a swan and then he got tackled by his catcher.
1: that was <laughs> that point? was a big league ball knock no matter what kid ain't nobody taking that knock away not drew smiley not the catcher not the third baseman that was a big leg ball knock, and whether he got tackled or not, wasn't well, nobody throwing anybody out. So let's call a spade a spade. It's a hit. It wasn't that dramatic. It was dramatic because there was a tackle play on the infield, and that's why people thought it was interesting. but it wasn't even the ninth. So let's pump the brakes a little bit,
0: yeah. I just the visual of the catcher like landing on him, trying not to land on him was amazing to me. That was good. We didn't even that wasn't a debate topic. We got forty seconds left. Yeah. Next topic: Mookie Betts playing shortstop for the first time in 1,200 plus games. I loved what he said. He's like, "Look, I used to play shortstop. This isn't new to me. It's new to you." He's he's fresh out of the the hospital. Just had a child. Said the baby's doing good. Mama's doing good. Congratulations, Mookie, and all involved. He's a player. He's an athlete. I don't. He takes ground balls in the infield all the time. The fact that somebody was like, oh, he shows up and he's playing gold glove caliber shortstop. Probably not playing gold glove caliber shortstop, shortstop out of the gate. There's refinement that comes with playing every day.
1: Yeah, it's a minutia.
0: He was supposed to be a second baseman. He was supposed to replace Pedroia. And then Pedroia, he just got moved to the outfield and he just happens to be a gold glove outfielder. He also bowls 300 games. He also can run around. And routes. does he 360 also
1: dunk. dunks. Yeah. yeah.
0: This dude is just an athlete. It's not like you're, you're sending, uh, Bobby Dahl back out to play short like the Red Sox did,
1: which they've done ironic. They had to. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, if you play baseball and you pay attention and you're a good athlete, you can pretty much play any position on the field at a serviceable level, right? If you're again, there's, there's boxes you have to check. I could have played shortstop in the major leagues, not well, but I could have done it, (laughs) right? I could have, I could have done it. Right. Which you've done it. is
0: pitching, pitching, catching is the hardest position to just step in, right?
1: Pitching, I would argue that pitching and catching are the only two that you can't play. Every other position you can go be serviceable at. It's, it's not. I, I think third base is the hardest position on the field. The transition third base? to a mid, yes. I think the tra- other than catcher and pitcher, the transition from outfield to the, the middle infield positions, it, it shouldn't be that drastic because Angles of third at, they're actually tough. the positions yeah. on the field. It's the, it's the position on the field where you have the most time on the infield, right? You have the most time to make decisions. It's not a reactionary position. Moving an outfielder to third base, I think, is much more difficult. Third is much more bang, bang. Got to go on first instincts position.
0: All right. Mookie's Pete Alonzo. He can do
1: whatever he wants.
0: Yeah, Mookie, just do what you want. Pete Alonzo hitting home runs at a historic rate. Uh, let me pull up the exact numbers. I had them up earlier, but I closed the tab. So on the list of fewest at-bats per home run, Mark McGuire is uh, the world leader at 10.6, Babe Ruth, 11.7, Aaron Judge, 11.97, Barry Bonds, 12.9, and then Pete Alonzo, 13.13.
1: So not Uh, a historic, rate.
0: It's fifth in the world, fifth all time in most and fewest at-bats per homer. So that's pretty historical. Of all the players that ever played baseball at the major league level, he's fifth. Can we not that's not labeled historic? We're not gonna give him
1: that. Sure. Max Muncy has eleven homers though. And Pete Alonso only has ten.
0: Yeah, this year we're talking about career, not season.
1: Yeah. So he's doing a good job at homering. He's a good yeah. homer. What do you think about his? He was strength? always a good homer. Uh, I don't hate it. I think it's I don't
0: uh, I don't love it. His he creates good angles, but I don't love his swing. It, it's just from an it's aesthetic a little bit standpoint.
1: Yeah. I remember well, I mean, is there anything Pete Alonso does aesthetically pleasing? His body is not aesthetically pleasing. He <laughs> wore a turtleneck last night on Sunday night baseball. That was not aesthetically pleasing. He has a ton of protective gear and it doesn't look right. He'll be the guy that wears his pants up with high high tops, which is Pete is just Pete, man. Like it's a, it's a persona. I like it. I, I'd be full send on being his teammate. Lindor did an interview on Sunday Night Baseball. Yeah, last night before the
0: game. I do think he'd be a great teammate. There's stories. Uh, Kevin McGowan used to tell us stories about balls that he hit that would go up, and you'd think it'd be a fly ball, and it just never came down. They would just his his power is legit. Yeah,
1: his actions allow for power to happen. I think you don't like his He's moves because they're a little bit choppy. He he goes up with the hand. He's not
0: clean. Pulls down. It's not super clean.
1: Yeah, it's okay, but he hits all home. Right.
0: Last topic. Oakland A's appear to be heading to Las Vegas, which means Las Vegas will lose our AAA team. Uh, happy or sad about this thoughts feelings I think Oakland it's they haven't had any sport from the city. Uh, their fan base is is passionate going to some games there. I thought their fans were absolute psychos and I mean that as a compliment but they, the, the stadium's horrible. It's just absolutely abysmal place to go watch a baseball game. It's falling apart. There's a, a picture of like a an employee putting duct tape down on stairs that were falling apart. The bathrooms flood, dugouts flood, it's a mess. You feel yeah, like you're you walking walk into to the, jail.
1: You walk to the clubhouse through the stands. That's why Rendon had the opportunity to do what he did. You literally have to walk through fans to get to the clubhouse. And and <laughs> there's a piece of tape walking so you go by a concession stand and then you go up the stairs to go to the clubhouse. There's a piece of tape that is the line uh, that people are not supposed to cross to 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 get into the player section. It's ludicrous. It's literally the worst place ever. Vegas is a cool city. I don't understand the the Oakland to Vegas connection. Why not Sacramento or I don't know. I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing Nashville,
0: else. I'm hearing that Nashville is getting a team. I'm not going to yeah, tell you where from. No, but I'm city. I'm I'm hearing that it's fully in motion, going to happen.
1: I mean it was gonna happen two years ago too. So it's good. Nashville deserves
0: Like team. funding is in place, it's gonna happen. That's right yeah, here. It's
1: great. Awesome. Outstanding. Vegas. Uh, go get them. Do you think terrible. Vegas is gonna show up?
0: Is, did, yeah. How does it, how do they do with hockey and in football? Are they drawing?
1: Hockey, yeah, hockey's doing great. They won, football's doing great, they just haven't won yet. Uh the thing the thing about this whole paradigm that's that I think is interesting is that the ownership group was basically setting him up to fail, to be an anemic four and 20 baseball team right now. Like that you might as well put your double A team out there because they have no chance of winning. So that's the part that's disheartening, right? Because if he's trying to create the worst attendance numbers so that he can justify it. This is literally major league. It's, uh, Rachel it Phelps.
0: It yeah. is. It's only one thing left to do. Yeah. yeah. you going to finish that win the whole damn thing win the
1: whole no he doesn't say
0: damn <laughs> I know he doesn't say that but I said it I the like TBS the says song.
1: damn yeah, yeah I know
0: we're done alright very good that was our rapid fire episode of Pilots or Pickle let us know if you like it uh, I'm sure there's going to be opportunities to, to throw this out to social get the people going uh, take something on that note Pickle oil!